Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 206. It is brought to you this week by our sponsors, Text Expander, Linode, and Molecule. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and for the first time in eight weeks, I am joined by both of my co-hosts. Federico, how are you? Hi, I'm, I'm back, I guess. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? It's good. It's good to have you back. And we also have Mike. Everyone's together. Yay! All is right in the world again. We've, mm-hmm. I, we are once again a whole, and I'm very happy. Yeah, I was missing the show. It was weird not to do podcasts for uh, three weeks straight, basically, but it was also kind of weird not to do Connected as a, as a trio. Um, a very long time. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I forgot how to podcast in in you know in these past couple of weeks. So I probably do some silly mistakes, like um, I don't know, talking about things that Stephen doesn't like. Though I suppose that's a, what I've always done. So we should do we should do follow up. We should jump straight into follow up, Stephen. What? Why are you not doing follow up already? We're going to follow. Okay, we're going to follow okay, up. Follow up right now. Follow, follow up. up. Follow up. We've been talking a lot about new follow well, up. Not. Follow up. <laughs> <laughs> People with podcasts have been talking about new iPhones, and just today, or it seems like there's um, some signs of a fourth new phone this year. So we've talked about the the new iPhone 10, the new iPhone 10 Plus, and iPhone 9, and now I think for discussion purposes, what we'll call the iPhone 7C, as Stephen Steve Trout Smith kind of nicknamed it on Twitter. The idea that this phone is is it seems internally very much like an iPhone 7. Of course, that would mean that it could be you know, read, readily available and cheaper than new phones. Uh, there were rumors that the iPhone 9 was going to come in colors. Now I kind of think that maybe those rumors were about this phone. Uh, so maybe we're going to have like a, a new, not a new iPhone SE because rest in peace, four-inch phones, but a new low-end iPhone based on the seven, maybe with some some slight tweaks or updates. What do you guys think about this? Can I ask a question that that like you know, and, and these, this is one of those questions where people like, oh, Mike, you're so silly. Um, what what Steve says in his tweet is that it has the same screen resolution, right? Does that mean the same physical size? No, not screen? necessarily. Because that my my question on that would be like. That's it depends on the DPI of the screen, so it could be. And forgive me, Steve, Stephen. This is where you should come in, but if it's a yep. different type of density, it could be the same resolution but a different physical size. Is that it, is it that could how it be? Works? Yeah, I mean my my gut says that it's the iPhone Seven screen size only yeah. because the rumors also say the iPhone Nine is going to be bigger, and and maybe they still want something just like they did with the SE. Right, they stepped up to the bigger phones, but they left one older phone behind, and now they're going to do that again. So maybe they're going to reuse the 4.7 inch, or what is what is the iPhone 7? 4.5, 4.7 inch, somewhere in there. 4.7, I think. 4.7, I think. Yeah. Well, I guess you you could have an outside hope, right? Which is very slim, extremely slim, that they're going to make a really small phone that has no home button. That could be your only hope, right? That like it's mm. 4.7 inches, but it has no home button, so it's going to be small, like the iPhone SE. That's your only hope, right? Which is, it's an incredibly far outside hope, but stranger things have happened? Yeah. I mean, I think that 
Occam's razor says that this is going to be a cheap iPhone yes, 7. Yes, just a cheap iPhone 7. I know, yeah. but I like to give the people hope, you know? Yeah, but 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 false hope is is a different thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. You never know, right? No, you, you should know. You should know it's not going to happen. But it is very strange to me um, that they w- would... Well, I guess I guess the reasoning for this, right? So over the last few weeks... Uh, I've been talking to Jason on Upgrade about this stuff, and one of the things that people keep telling us is like, "Oh, I really don't want the new like to get a new phone that's big, right?" Because all of the rumors are saying that the, there's going to be three new phones that follow the iPhone X's design convention, and the one in the middle is bigger than the current iPhone X, right? Like, so it's got an LCD screen, but it's it's got like a six-inch LCD screen or something, so it's a bigger phone, but it's going to be the cheapest one because it's going to have an LCD screen. And people have been saying like to us, oh, you know, I don't want to have to buy a new iPhone that's big. I don't want a big phone, and I don't want to spend $1,000. I guess this phone is for those people, right? Like, you can still get a smaller phone. It's still newer in some way, but isn't going to be... Isn't mm. going to break the bank. I don't know. What, wouldn't it be funny if they call it the iPhone XS, as in X and small, like T-shirts? Well, <laughs> they, yes, but it would have I don't to think look like the iPhone 10, though, right? Like, yeah, that would be, the, be pro- kind that of would be the problem, I suppose, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do, do we think are, we gonna, are they going to call it the 7 or the SE again? I don't think they should call it the 7 because it feels instantly old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I will call it the the new S the new iPhone SE because the S, special edition feels like a timeless name. Yes, I think it would be the iPhone SE two was probably yeah. the name that it would get because you couldn't even call it the seven because the seven's no. older than the eight, right? Like yeah. that's just like you you're you're dooming this phone at that point. Right. So this will probably become iPhone SE two or something like that, and then maybe they still sell both versions of SE for a bit. So, you know, and, and which would be super weird, but like, again, stranger things have happened. This, this feels like the way that they might go down that. And then you never know, they could put, they could update the SE as well. Like, there's nothing to say they couldn't at least put a new chip in it. I don't know. I think that's all, I think that's all fair game. So we'll, uh, I guess we'll see, you know, the, um, well, we talked about it when we talked about the phones, you know, is moving up a mistake. And there are, Mike, to your point, there are clearly people who want something smaller. Um, I'm married to an iPhone SE user. She's not thrilled that it's probably going away. Um, but I, I got to imagine that something as cheap as the SE or like in that price range would do well because I think the SE did better than Apple expected. Like they're in the world and uh, and having something that sort of takes the best of what bigger phones have to offer but at a lower price point and maybe a hit. So. We'll see. You know, we're really at this point, what, like three weeks away from an iPhone event, probably? I mean, we're mm-hmm. we're getting close. And uh, I, think we'll, I think we'll learn more about this mysterious fourth phone before it's all over. Getting close to an iPhone event means getting close to software releases like iOS 12 and macOS Mojave. And I'm kind of just wondering uh, how you two are doing with your views. Stephen, have you... 
actually worked out <laughs> if you're ever gonna i feel like you know we, we do these check-ins and like frederick was like oh i'm this far in and, but everyone for you is like i don't know if i'm doing it yet so i uh, have yeah. you made a decision <laughs> i have made a decision i haven't done any work yet because as we're going to talk about in a minute i've been very busy but uh i am going to take the route that i talked about and do a couple of like in-depth feature articles about new things in mojave as opposed to doing an overall review my guess is the feature, like those articles, it's, I'm probably going to have similar amounts of time in them, but I really just want to do something different and fresh this year because I've, I've done a an macOS review on 5.12 since Mountain Lion, and it feels like maybe it's time to do something a little bit different. I did that with Yosemite. I did a review of the redesign and not the OS mm-hmm. itself, and like I really, enjoy, I still like really like that article. I'm really happy with how it came out, and so I think doing something a little bit different this year will uh, give me some some flexibility to to change it up a little bit. So that's my plan. I haven't started anything yet that is uh, on the plate for next week, but that's that's my plan. Not a full review, but like look at a couple of interesting mm-hmm. features in Mojave. I think if you do a couple of things like your dark mode article, then yes. that will more than suffice because you know, like there there isn't a lot that changes now. You would be treading right. a lot of the same uh, water again, right? You'd just be go- just retreading a path that you would have tread years before, because they don't change a ton. Like maybe next year or the year after, right? With with Marzipan, there could be some serious stuff to to talk about in a macOS review again. But it doesn't. Outside of dark mode, there's there's not really any huge blockbuster features that would really warrant you spending time and going through everything. Federico, how are you doing? No, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, I think, actually, for the first time in, I think, three, four years, I was able to take a real vacation without doing the review during the vacation. Like, I was actually uh, spending time with my girlfriend and my dogs without worrying about the review, um, which was nice, really nice, actually. So, um, the review is made of nine chapters, and... um, at this point, uh, five of five of them have been finalized. Um, where I mean, they've already been edited uh, four times, and I'm, I don't plan on making any major changes to them. Um, and I'm in the process of finalizing chapter six, which will be the big one about shortcuts. And chapters seven and eight are relatively easy to do because they talk about, you know. Uh, miscellaneous apps and everything else and I still need to write the conclusion so this is a different approach from previous years I'm leaving the conclusion for I think next week I'll probably start writing the conclusion which is going to be about a thousand words tops Um, so I'm in a really good place in terms of uh, progress and and schedule Uh, I've never been this relaxed uh, relaxed by the 20th something 22 of august um so i think it definitely helps that the review is about 30 percent uh shorter than last year um part of that it's because i think ios 12 doesn't have the same you know major changes of ios 11 when you consider the ipad and just how much i wrote about the ipad but it's also because i took a different approach as i as i mentioned uh in june before starting to uh, to work on the review i said I don't want to take as much a technical approach um, in describing all of the new APIs and all of these technical details that people don't necessarily care about. And I 
try to keep true to that by avoiding the, you know, getting too deep into the technical stuff and trying to have a more approachable or, you know, trying to have the sort of the, the, the tone of the people. <laughs> like if, you, if you're a regular person installing iOS 12, um, what do you see? How do you react to these changes? And of course, there's a bit of technical stuff here and there, and the shortcuts chapter will be more technical for obvious reasons. But I think overall, um, I feel happy with this review. I'm happy with the kind of tone and approach that it that it that it's got and I'm now uh, I'm also much more organized in in, in terms of um leaving placeholders in the review for videos and and screenshots and galleries that I need to do um I'm tracking everything in drafts and I'm tracking everything with uh, with you know sp- smart lists in my in my task managers um which it's I said managers plural because it's a it's a whole conversation that we'll have later on. Um, <laughs> not, not today. Here we go again. Um, okay. <laughs> look, there's a there's a very there's a very good reason for this, and uh, oh, there's, we'll, there's we'll always a good reason. There's, there's always, always a good, a good reason. reason. I know. Um, uh, it's it's why it's why I changed them because it's a good reason. Uh, so. And for the first time also in years, uh, I have made the decision of not forcing myself to wait for GM to take screenshots because I've realized uh, I've run comparison, uh, comparisons between the archives of my beta 8 and beta 9 screenshots that I saved for iOS 10 and iOS 11 in previous years uh, and the GM version and uh, the images look the same. So, and I basically, I was convincing myself, oh no, I need to wait for GM because it's going to be slightly different, but no, it's going to be, it's going to be the same. Uh, beta 9, beta 10, they're always the same, basically. Um, so in the review, you will not notice, but there will be, uh, there will be screenshots taken from beta 9 or beta 10. And I don't care because they're, you know, it's more the principle of not taking those screenshots than anything else, really. Um, and I need to optimize my time. So, uh, Yeah. This is a long answer to your question. I'm doing great, and I think it will be great, and it gives me time to work on the stuff that surrounds the review, like promotion, like the club, like other projects involving the review. Um, it's going to be fun, I think. We're still sounding very positive. I'm pleased. I, yeah. I, my, my girlfriend says that, I, that, I, that I'm different from last year, which makes me happy, because last year I was a train wreck at this point. So... Uh, the fact that I'm still at the beach and being able to enjoy the beach and, and play with the dogs and also work on the review in the evening, uh, I think it's a good sign. So thank you to everybody who signed up to become a Relay FM member. Very, very appreciative of that. Um, as a reminder, we have a bonus episode that will be coming out on September the 4th, which will be our discussion of the wonderful movie, The Pirates of Silicon Valley. Um, Federico, have you seen that movie before? Yeah, okay. uh, years ago though, okay. and in, in Italian also. So interesting. Are you going to be watching it in English this time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I wonder how different that's going to be. That's, I, I didn't even think that they would have translated it, but that's that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, so if you sign up now, 
you will get this when the episode comes out, along with all the other bonus content and special perks that have been coming out over the lo- over the last week or so and over the next few weeks. So there's, there's tons and tons of stuff available to Relay FM members. Uh, plans start at just $5 a month to support this show or any other show. There's a link in the show notes for this episode, which you can click, and it will open up a checkout for you to sign up for this show to give us $5 a month. Or you can go to relay.fm slash membership to learn more Maybe give your money to a different show. Maybe give your money to all shows. But uh, no matter what you give or how much you give, you get the same perks as everybody else. Um, Stephen, would you, while we're in an announcement section, would you like to talk about new merch? Yes. Can you say it again, though? I think that was really good. New merch. <laughs> I want, like, horns and stuff. If you're able to do that for me, that would be incredible. Mm. You know? Like some, some real exciting stuff? Yeah. New merch. So we have relaunched our merchandise store. It is in partnership with Cotton Bureau, and that lets us do some really cool things. We've got four items up right now. I've got a new T-shirt. Four items. T-shirt. Ah. I'm hyping for you. Keep going. It sounds like you're having some sort of... Uh, it's fine. Just keep going. Shirt, a hat, enamel pin. Enamel pin. And what may be my favorite... Challenge coin. Challenge coin. Which I have right here, mm-hmm. and it's heavy. Hit it against the microphone. I'm like, I'll hit it against my desk. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Did you drop it's, it? <laughs> <laughs> it's you like it are you an desk. old man? You can keep a coin in your hands? It bounced off my desk onto the floor, but it's fine sure. because it's sure. uh, the challenge coin. So if you head over to relay.fm slash store, you can check this stuff out. The... Uh, the pins and the coins are in stock now. The shirts and hats will be in stock in mid-September. Uh, if you order something with a shirt or hat, we're going to hold your order until everything comes in. So we just have to ship it once and charge you for shipping once. But uh, I would say if you want a coin, if you're really excited about that and you're listening to this, I would hurry because uh, the first batch is getting ready to be sold out. Yeah, All so- four of these items will be in stock uh, like long term, but mm-hmm. we're gonna sell out of coins temporarily here pretty soon. Yeah, we may even be sold out by the time you're hearing this. So it's possible. Go and and buy them, and we'll let if you follow us on Twitter, we'll let you know when we have more in stock. But yeah, mm-hmm. the designs are really fun, and I think that you're gonna love it. Yes, it's it's really exciting stuff, and uh, big thanks to Cotton Bureau. Their team is awesome. To uh, Simon, our designer, who came up with all this stuff. The artwork is all based, a lot of it's based on the original iPods, so like the play, pause, ring of buttons. And so that's like around the outside of the the design of the shirt and on the back of the coin. And it's just, it's really awesome looking stuff. We're really excited about it. So go check it out. And if you are a Relay FM member, member. you have a discount code that mm-hmm. came in your email yesterday. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Text Expander helps you communicate smarter. Create snippets of things you type or copy and paste all the time. You can start by making snippets for short things you use constantly, like email addresses or web addresses or even the date today. Format it in any way you wish. I have a great uh, Text Expander snippet, which is if I type in UUSD, that gives me the US date formatted in the way that Americans like it to be formatted. And why not make snippets for longer things that you use regularly, like directions or requests for references if you're looking for jobs, like job job proposals, that kind of stuff? Or what about answers to common questions? All of these things 
can be just a couple of keystrokes away when you use Text Expander on any platform. Mac, Windows, iPhone, and iPad. It's all there available for you to summon whenever you wish. Or you could you just use this you can search for them in the app or use those hotkeys, which I love. And uh, I have all of our show names, everything. Everything's behind behind a hotkey. When I sit down at my Mac If Text Expander for some reason isn't open, it feels like things are broken. You can even personalize your responses using fill-in fields, so when you expand a snippet, you have room to add in any personal little details, like someone's name or some kind of other information you need to provide that's unique to that person who's receiving it. Text Expander can save you so much time, whether you're trying to keep on top of email, planning a party that involves sending lots of messages, or just looking to be more productive. Plus, you can power up your entire team by sharing those snippets as well. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast and you can get 20% off your first year and let them know that you heard about them from Connected. That is textexpander.com slash podcast, 20% off for your first year. Our thanks to TextExpander from Smile for their support of this show. So, Stephen, I saw on Twitter a couple of days ago that uh, you had to resort to compressed air again in your life, I believe. Your MacBook Pro keys are getting stuck. Is that true? My, how many days was it old? That was the joke in the post. 23. 23-day-old MacBook Pro. Spacebar got stuck. So I did the compressed air trick. It helped, but it wasn't completely fixed. And so then I made a genius appointment. But by the time that genius appointment rolled around, it seemed fine again. So I canceled it. So seems okay. But it, this feels like... Um, some sort of like military exercise, like once the hole has been breached, it's just a matter of time. So uh, not super optimistic about this keyboard fix, but we'll Mm. see how it goes. Do you feel like they should start including compressed air in the MacBook Pro box? Yeah. Maybe. Mm. It'd be Mm -hmm. good. Uh, Little like uh, little packets of compressed air. air. Little packets of air. Can, Mm -hmm. uh, can Can you sell air as a, like as an object? Is it, is it uh, le- I mean, is it I'm legal? sure. Is I'm sure. What's her name? Has tried. Uh, the, you know the. What's the crazy like health not health store people make fun of? <laughs> Theranos. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is going on? <laughs> uh, I think you're thinking of the Avengers movie. So, yeah. So, anyways, I like the laptop otherwise, and the keyboard seems okay now, but it like definitely put the fear in me. So now I have the fear in me about this keyboard. But mm-hmm. for now, I'm okay. Keyboard fear. Mm-hmm. So since you moved away from keyboards and into screenshots instead, um, can you explain what the Aqua Screenshot Library is? Yeah. So let's talk about this. The my idea was so this is a this is a huge like mini website on five twelve pixels, and the idea was to have a collection of screenshots of every major version of uh, Mac OS, Mac OS 10 since the public beta. So everything from the public beta forward, because, uh, well, we can get into the reasons, but that's what it is. So you can go through and you can select your version. So I go in here and I can select Jaguar and I can see all the screenshots from Jaguar that I created. Uh, They're all sorted the same way. So you can like, you can like see, you know, what finder home looked like, uh, you know, throughout the years, how how specific things have changed. I know that that you have a slightly different um, general 
sense of like what's important to you than I do. Like we, 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 you know, as with most human beings, we value yes. things differently about what we consider yes. to be important in our lives. <laughs> and I know that like just, just spit it out, old, man. old Apple stuff. All right. Why did you do this? What is this for? Okay. There's two answers to this. Um, <laughs> one answer is I just wanted it to exist, but, okay. uh, but what, what put, what, where the idea came from actually came from this show. And so we spoke about oh, no. a long time ago, we spoke about software preservation. And like, oh. Federico, you had that article. Mm-hmm. Like, This has been in the work. So I started this at the end of last year. I took my first screenshot in March. It took a couple of months to like find all the installers. Like Trying to find a copy of Panther that will install CD that actually works took a little bit of time. Uh, but that conversation like really set me on a, on a path to really think about like my like collecting and what I try to do because it's easy to collect and preserve hardware. Um, But, and we talked about this on that episode, as hardware dies, the software that runs on it will disappear, right? So at some point, every computer that can run system seven will be dead and system seven will be gone. And that's already happening with early versions of OS 10. It's, it's hard to like for the public beta for instance, you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get it to run. Even if even if these machines ran forever, most people just don't have experience with these things. So I wanted to let people who didn't see this stuff uh, in its day get to kind of get a feel for what it was like. And I think you could do that. I think there's so many images you can really get a sense like what each OS was like. But in a world where like eventually you won't be able to run this stuff, uh, I just wanted to have a record that I sort of put together myself of what these things were like. And so... Uh, so I think that's the big reason, and it's you know from a from a business perspective, this project made no sense. I, I, I don't I don't track my time, but I can tell you a lot of time went into this. Uh, but I know we just talked about the relay membership, but I run I run one on five twelve pixels as well, and like that income like really made this possible because like if, if that is the bulk of the income from the site now is that membership. And if that wasn't there, I could not have justified this, but hmm. um, I feel like I could because I had that, that revenue. And I think I have over the years, I mean, the site's going to be 10 years old uh, next month. I think over the years I have built five twelve into a brand of like, if you want to know about this stuff, this is where you go. And this, I think just is like a huge step in that direction. How, how do you do something like this? Because I know you have like a bunch of, All of old computers around, right? Which I'm sure can run some, if not all, of these uh, OS versions. But then like, how do you even on some of the older ones get the screenshots off the machines? <laughs> so so I ran... Um... I said this in the blog post. I ran all of these OSs on actual hardware. None of this was like virtual machines, which you can do. Why you can, did you do that? What, wouldn't it have been easier to do virtual machines? It 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 would have been it would have been easier on my back <laughs> moving towers around. But um, if you have the hardware, it is simpler to to run it directly. Kind of um, kind of feels like you're an OS hipster. Maybe. Right, like it's not authentic if it didn't run on the actual hardware, it's right? A, like this is a homegrown Aqua uh, screenshot. Yeah, this is a, an artisanal <laughs> screenshot library. 
This <laughs> <laughs> is this is real farm to table screenshotting, you know. It is. They're they're handcrafted. So mm-hmm. locally grown. They're all on actual hardware. And so I started with the actually the public beta I did last, but um the the public beta up through like ten five ran on a couple different G four towers that I have. Like with a display, so I had to buy a four by three screen because original versions of Mac OS didn't run in widescreen. They only ran a four by three. So I had to find a display and uh, make the make the images. And then I moved from that to a Mac mini and then to a couple of different Retina MacBook Pros. So like one thing I want to do over uh, and I just couldn't find a machine. I could not find a Retina MacBook Pro that I felt like I could justify the expense on to run Lion. The, the, the Retina machine I, I borrowed from a friend He's probably listening, so thank you, Ian, for letting me borrow your computer for like several weeks. Was uh, ran Mountain Lion, it, it didn't run Lion, and so I'd like to remake Lion at some point. But all this is on actual hardware and using the Grab application, which is part of, of Mac OS 10, mm-hmm. to make make the screenshots. Um, that's the thing that's about to get better, right? In Mojave, yeah, is that yeah, be like iOS, yeah, Mojave like really expands what Grab can do, you yeah. know, like markup and stuff, which is really great. Uh, you will notice if you look through these, the first couple of versions, the I have full screens for almost everything because gra- in Grab now you can screenshot just a window, and that was not possible in the early days. And uh, and so a lot of the the early images have like full screen or they're manually cropped depending on what they are. Uh, but eventually Grab got good enough where you could just uh, select select a single window, which is what I wanted. Do you know what it kills me and like? Some especially some of the earlier ones where the menu bar is rounded, but the yeah. screenshot goes further and the yep. screenshot's square, but the menu bar is rounded at the edges. Kills me. It's Kills not a good me. look. <laughs> not a good look. But um, yeah. So I used Grab. All of these machines I had uh, just on my local network, and so I could copy the screenshots off. Uh, just from across the network using file sharing, so that was pre- that was actually pretty straightforward. That worked even on the older stuff. Yep, yep. Just plug it in and turn file sharing on, and you're all set. So mm. um, generally, how I would I would have it? I would have like the the test bench, like the test machine on a, on a desk, mm-hmm. um, and I had my laptop. So I had a, I have a long Apple note of like every screenshot that I needed in order, and I would just walk through them and I would copy the files off and then like I, I named them. Um, uh, name them and then eventually upload them. So those are all kind of separate steps. How did you decide what was important to screenshot? Because you haven't got every single screen in the entire operating system, I don't. right? So why? How did you decide on the list? And then how did the list change over versions? Yeah. So the the terminology I came up with is it is comprehensive. It is not exhaustive. So it is not every screen in the OS. Partially because that as impossible as this task was doing every screen would have been impossible. I'd, I'd be making screenshots for another three years. What I wanted was, if someone looks through one of these galleries, they have a real sense of what this OS was like. And so I actually started at 10.0. I did the public beta last because the public beta, is, if you look through it, is so different. I was like, I can't base anything on this. Like, I, I'm going to start with 10.0. And, you know, I've been a Mac user for a long time, so I kind of had in my head, like, okay, I want, like, really common finder features. Uh, I want like some folders. I want some of the built-in applications, but not all of them. Like I'd sort of just picked sort of like what I felt were the most important ones. Um, but then as the OS matures, I actually had to stop and like, 
most of the time I just I read I've read like skimmed like Syracuse's reviews for those that he wrote or watched the keynote again to like make a list of okay in Panther what's new like what's new in Panther so I make sure that I grab that and then for the most part these features are like a snowball right like it starts in ten three so that same feature is in ten four ten five ten six on and on and mm-hmm. on uh, yep. there are a few exceptions to that but. So like once something was on the list, it didn't come off. So like once, um, you know, something like um, Spotlight was there. Well, Spotlight's in all the the subsequent releases. So the the list yep. got much longer. I'm actually going to look the. Um, I like when uh, FaceTime comes into it. Yeah. Uh, Mountain Lion is a real scene. <laughs> that's that real one, bad. That's a real, a real thing going on there. I, I encourage people to go and check out the uh, FaceTime show of Mountain Lion to see, I think, an actual oh, wow. Mountain Lion. <laughs> <That's bad. laughs> the, Let's see. Let's look at this. So, FaceTime. That one, that one's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, that Before screenshot is probably, probably, is little, is probably made qu- quite late at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it looks like, you know when you see those things where uh, someone has stolen a computer, but it had that software on it that would yeah. take a picture of the looks person like stealing it? like someone getting that, ready to that, ship the computer to China or something. Yeah, it's the guy <laughs> who's just stolen your laptop. And you that's see, the picture. This image could be used in news reports about stolen computers. <laughs> uh, here's, the, here's the perp <laughs> that was caught with a MacBook. Because uh, <laughs> all of the other ones, you either look happy or you're much differently groomed. That one is a it's a real it's a real disaster. A real but you know, hey, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a, you know you get what you get. Because that's the funny thing, right? Like, it, so this is like a resource now. I mean, that's why you make it's a resource. It's a resource yes. for you. It's a resource for other people that like the kind of thing that you like. But you know, maybe maybe this will be entered into a museum in some time in the future, like many of your other projects at this point. But. I would love if that happened and that picture of you is in the Smithsonian or something. Can, <laughs> That'd I, be a lot of fun. can I ask a few technical <laughs> questions? Um, I want to know if the images are full res or downsized. Uh, and if, if, if so, which format did you, did you choose? Uh, so I uploaded, so I use WordPress. So I uploaded to WordPress full res okay. images. WordPress creates thumbnails. So like in the gallery page, you see a, a scaled down thumbnail. But if you go and you download the file and you can download all of them, you will get the full res image as a download. So it's 1.6 gigabytes of images in total. Do you have enough money to, like, pay for that? Like, isn't that... How does that work? Isn't... (laughs) Like, isn't Uh, that amount of, like... If if 2,000 people download that, is that not a problem for you? It may be. Uh, All right, so go to... No, don't do it. So so I use... I use a host, a WordPress host that's like has a CDN built in, and I have a pretty big bandwidth cap on my account. I've never been over before, including with the, you know, like the 5K Retina wallpapers mm-hmm. I did last year. They still do like a thousand downloads a day. Like that, that page is wow. remarkably consistent. Uh, it's done. I forget. I tweeted it a couple like earlier this month. I forget how many hundreds of thousands of page views that has now. I've never had problems with it, so I'm keeping an eye on that, but. Unless you scrape my server, which please don't scrape my server. Uh, unless someone does that, like, it'd be so much work to download them all. Um, then, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not no, too worried about that. That's, that's the way to solve it, right? BitTorrent? Is that still a thing? Mm-hmm. It's probably still a thing. Sure. Any other technical right. questions, Federico? Yeah, I want to know how you um, 
renamed each file if you used like a like a batch uh, rename solution or something like that. I did. So the the file name. So let me go into this. So if you look at uh, I'm in the, my Mavericks folder. So like the Mavericks chess image is like ten nine Mavericks chesspng and so when I created them. As I was pulling them off the, the like the test bench onto my laptop, I just named what the screenshot was. So I just named it Chess, and then I used Automator on the Mac to uh, to do a couple of things. One, earlier versions of macOS, I had just forgotten this. Uh, save your screenshots as TIFF files, and you can change that in Terminal. But I forgot on a couple of releases because I set up each release fresh, um, and so I had I had one work or one Automator action to convert TIFF okay. to ping. Because all these are PNGs, and then I had another one that did my renaming. So it added the ten nine Mavericks in front of the file name. All right. So everything is is Automator. Yeah, it's the one you. Okay. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- those are my two questions actually. Uh, and also, I wanted to have like a quick um, thought for you, if you if you will. I think you you said that it, it didn't make sense from a budget perspective to do this kind of project. Honestly, I think like this is marketing for you. So the um, it's, it's it's not necessarily yeah, yes, it's how you say it. But like sometimes <laughs> you just gotta do things as an investment because it's part of your website. It's part of your persona or it's part of your brand online. Like it's something that now, even though it was a huge time sink, now everybody's talking about it. You know, in our community now, everybody's paying attention to this today uh, and they associate your name and your website with this project. So, uh, Anytime you do something like this and people say, of course he did, exactly, you know, you did the exactly. right thing. <laughs> right? Like people are seeing this like, yeah, like, of course he did this. I have another question for you though. But do you want to say anything on that? Because I have one last question for you. No, I think you're right. And um, and like it never really was a, um, like I never really like sat down and thought like, oh, I really shouldn't do this. Like when this idea came to me at the end of last year, it really was a how do I do it? Like, and that was the hardest part of like just putting my head around how do I make 1500 screenshots, let alone like show them to people. Um, yeah, you're right. Like I never really had a, a serious conversation with myself or with a spreadsheet about like, well, you're going to spend this much time on this. Um, part of that, and part of that, like when you're self-employed and you do a project like this, part of the way that you sort of handle it is this was like a, a back burner thing, right? So like weeks that I had five podcasts to produce, I didn't work on this, right? I worked on my quiet weeks of recording or I worked on it in the evening. Like it was a side project to my main work. It didn't, I didn't reschedule any podcast to work on this. Like, so a lot of this is like prioritization of, of tasks and of jobs. And uh, that's one reason this took so long because it was like a, I will so slowly chip away at this. Uh, you can actually look, if you look at the iCal or the calendar screenshots, that screenshot has an event for the day and time I made the images. And so you'll see like make OS 10 lion screenshots for like some time in July or whenever it was. So that's like a little breadcrumb. You can kind of see how long it took me to, to do them. Upsec. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So my last question for you is, are you now tied to this forever? Like, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're going to do this for all of them now. Right. Like that's how this goes. Well, you're assuming that Mac OS is staying around for a long Hey-o. time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my plan is like the way I, I view it, right? I, I did, was it 15 releases 
and uh, I'm only going to have one a year in, in moving forward. So one thing actually the three of us have talked about is how to handle Mojave. And the right way to handle it is to do two sets, light mode and dark mode. And my thought is after Mojave, probably just picking light mode or, or unless dark mode kind of becomes the default. But Mojave, I think, should have both because that's the first time they've done both. So Mojave will be probably like 230 images or so, probably like maybe like 250. But I do feel like if I want this to be a resource, it's got to be updated. And I can do a single OS in a day. Uh, Towards the end of this, it went much faster because I had sort of everything in place. Now, I'll lose a little time because I'll have to do it every year and kind of get reacclimated to the screenshot list and everything. But I don't think – like the bulk of the work is behind me in, in terms of like startup uh, time. So uh, my my intention is to keep this thing updated as long as I, as long as I absolutely can. Something else about the future, though, that's interesting. I've gotten several comments about it. Actually, just while uh, – just as we were recording, updated the blog post. Uh, one thing I want to do and is not there now is – I want there to be the ability that if you want to see every screenshot of uh, the display system preference throughout the, all the releases, that there's a yes. single page you can do that. The gallery does not offer that right now. Like the 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 actually like WordPress itself doesn't offer me that right now. So it's going to be some custom development or something that I haven't discovered yet to do that. Um, so, A, if you're listening and you're a WordPress person and you know an easy way to do this, let me know. Please email me because I want it to do that. That it seems as almost it seems as logical to do it that way than the way that you did it. Like you had to yeah. make a decision. I think you made the right one. Yes. But like sometimes it, it in some instances, it would be more interesting to see how did this change over time and then look at them all. Right. Yeah. And so that's something like I kind of just once I was done making the images, I sort of had to decide what like one like version one of this was going to be. And this is what I came down to. It's like, I can do it yeah. by release and I sort them like there's the galleries are sorted manually. That took a long time and they're in order throughout. So like the desktop is always first and all of them, you know, system preferences are always grouped at the end on all of them. So like you can go through them manually and get a sense for where things are, but I want that to be easier. So that is a, mm-hmm. a future improvement I want to make. Um, it's just not there. It wasn't there for release because at some point you just got to ship the thing. <laughs> and I figured, yep. you know, nine months of work, I probably should ship something and then I can come back and do that in the future. Very nice. Well, go, everyone should go check it out, 512pixels.net. Of course, there'll be links in the show notes. I have a game I would like to play before we go to our next break, and it is a prediction game because uh, I saw on Twitter today people talking about our good friend AirPower. Um, it is horrifically close to a year since AirPower was released. So I thought to myself, when is AirPower going to come out? So I would like, I, have, I, I think mm-hmm. I have three options, okay? Before the iPhone event, released alongside the iPhone, or released at a later date than the iPhone. So I would like us all to all put right. a marker as to when we believe it will be released. And okay. then we can check on this uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I guess. What's the price? Is there a price? I, I don't For know. The uh, just bragging rights, I guess. It's like all the other predictions games that we play, you know? Mm. Mm. Okay, fine. Um, well, you didn't ask, but I'll go first. Um, 
<laughs> I don't care. This isn't, but this so, isn't a like. If you say it, I can't say it, right? Like it, it, that's not how it works. You don't take um, it from everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, before the iPhone, Ooh. sometime around next week or the week mm-hmm. after, um, I think they really don't want to do. It's like an AirPlay two situation. They don't want to have WWDC and AirPlay two isn't out yet, so they release eleven eleven point four. Same with AirPower. They don't want to have another iPhone event. And the thing that was on stage last year is still not out. So just they can say that technically all the new iPhones already work with AirPower. Um, I think it will come out before. Yeah. Steven, when do you think? This is not what you're looking for. I think they will, they will talk about it at the event and it will be by the end of the year. So I'm going to say the first week of December. Okay, that's not one of the answers. So is you're saying release at a later date than the iPhone. You don't have to give that, but it's that yeah, specific. Yeah, after the iPhone. After, the, after iPhone. the iPhone. Okay. I'm also going after the iPhone. Let me oh, give you my reason okay. for this, Federico. I understand what you're saying, but they could just ship AirPlay 2 and then fix more stuff to it later if they need to. They can't do that with the hardware. If they're struggling to make this hardware, which it seems that's the case, they can't just put it out. Right? Like, you can't just be like, oh, it's good enough. We'll ship it. And I figured that, that they, if it was good, if it was ready, that it would have already been released. Like, I don't feel that necessarily apl- applies to AirPlay 2 because you're dealing with partners, you're dealing with companies that make speakers with AirPlay 2 in them. So it's not like, yeah, but well, it's, we can't release software, a crappy though. protocol now. It's soft- it can all be uh, it updated with software, right? And also, it's not like they're making AirPlay, t- AirPlay 3 the week after. So it, it needed to be good. And it was late, but like I, I don't think just because it's software, it can be buggy, and then they can fix it. Um, especially when you're dealing with uh, companies like Sonos and others, like Libratone, they're making speakers with AirPlay too. I don't think it's easy like that. Well, I don't know. The mark that we have set the marks. None of us think that is coming out with the iPhone, yeah. which could be where we all fall down. Uh, but Federico says it before, be. and me and Steven say at a date later. Mm-hmm. All right. But we have no prize. No prize. No prize. Okay. No prize. It's purely bragging rights. You know, sometimes that's all it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. You know, I never got competitions where you don't win. You don't win a prize. Like when when I hear when I hear parents say to, you know, <sighs> these parents they say to their kids, it doesn't matter that you don't win. No, you, you need to win. Okay. Like when I have a kid, I'm gonna tell him you need to win. I will come up with some kind of prize. All right. Okay. For the winner, the winner will get a prize. I don't know what it will be yet. I mean, it's fun to play, but it's better if you win. Okay. Uh, that, that's what I'm How saying. How do you feel about you know? all of the other predictions that we set? So, like, our full year on 2018 predictions, there's no prize for that. Hmm. And yeah. the audio predictions, there were no prize for those either. Are we just going to say yeah. that from now, all of these, pri- there'll be prizes for everything? Is that what or you need? You, c- you, you, you could retroactively uh, come up with prizes for... Uh, predictions that we've no. already uh, no, no. published. <laughs> what <laughs> happened to you on your vacation? <laughs> did someone did did someone screw you out or something? Is that what's happened? No, like no, now no. you I require just, I, prizes. I just I have a higher appreciation for winning. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm more relaxed, so I have more time to think about uh, the things that matter in life. And for me, winning, winning is one, one of those them. things. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, did you miss me, Mike? <laughs> I'm keen to see how this plays out in the long term. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So, Stephen, mm-hmm. make note of the predictions and some write down somewhere that Mike's promised a prize, and then I'll work that out. You can't give your toilet trophy away as a prize. Okay. 
<laughs> Rumbled. Today's show is brought to you by Molecule. I'm sure that you spent a lot of effort into making your home a comfortable, welcoming, and in today's world, maybe even a smart environment. I think that's something that we all try to take our best in. But have you ever thought about air pollutants in your home? Because without them, you could sleep better, feel better, and live better. Molecule is the only air purifier that actually destroys pollutants. Let me tell you why that's important. More than 80% of people living in urban areas that monitor pollution are exposed to air quality that doesn't meet recommendations set by the World Health Organization. Worst news is that indoor air could be up to five times worse than outdoor air. Hooray, everyone. This is why you need Molecule, so you'll know that you're breathing clean air. Molecule introducing a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. That's some cool science stuff. And their many, many happy customers are reaping the benefits of customers saying they're able to breathe through their noses for the first time in years. Molecule has a clean design with high quality, uh, high quality experience attached. It has been described as the Apple product of air purifiers. So you know it's, been pr- it's very, very good and it's got some cool science stuff in it. But more importantly, it's been tested by real people. They've already, uh, molecules already helped allergy and asthma sufferers cope with their conditions and reduce their symptoms in some cases. The molecule air purifier is whisper quiet, energy efficient, made for rooms of all sizes, portable, and connected to the internet. You can control molecule using its touchscreen display or remotely using the iPhone or Android app that they make. You need to go and look at the molecule air purifier right now to see what it can do and see how good looking that thing is. Head over to molecule.com. That's molecule with a K. So M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. Take a look around and when you make your first order, use connected, the code connected for $75 off. That is connected for $75 off of your order. Our thanks to Molecule for their support of this show that is connected for $75 off your first order. Thank you, Molecule. All right. Well, we're talking about old stuff. Let's talk about the Mac Mini. Everyone's favorite computing device. Sounds good. So there was a report out by Bloomberg this week talking about a new low-cost laptop to replace the Air, but we're going to just sidestep that today and talk about the Mac Mini. This is a quote. For this year's model, Apple is focusing... For this year's model, just by the way, like as if they do it annually. <laughs> for this decade's model... <laughs> for this the, for this this new update to the regularly updated product. Apple no. is focusing, focusing primarily on pro users with new storage and processor options that are likely to make it more expensive than previous versions, people said. So the question is, what is a pro Mac Mini? What does that look like? Do you think there will be a Pro Focus Mac Mini, or do you think it's going to say it is? Do you think it will actually be something that is powered like a professional product, or do you think that that's just the line that they will go with? I think that there will be aspects of it that will be pro-like, but that people who really want or need something like a Mac Pro will complain about it. Uh, I think what this means is, you know, you're going to have some high-end CPU options. It'll have fast SSDs. A, a It'll ton have of Thunderbolt, storage. Thunderbolt right, 3. Like you put a few terabytes or something in there, right? Because right. like, I assume it would still be a, not huge, not tiny, but like a chunky box, you know, which they could probably put a lot of stuff into. Mm-hmm. It's like my my kind of thought on this, right, to answer your question is uh, imagine the Mac Pro... <laughs> that we had before but it's because it's all sealed up 
Like what you'll put in this thing is what will stay in this thing. And then the difference between it and the Mac Pro would be that the Mac Pro can be upgraded, right? Like that that will be one of the, I think one of the key differences between it other than just like raw power. Yeah, well, I think, I, I think power is the bigger deal. Like I, I yeah. envision this being more like a high-end MacBook Pro than mm-hmm. than something yes. even like the iMac Pro. Mac like, Pro. Yeah, like I it would sit between uh, MacBook Pro and iMac Pro in its capability level. Maybe, or maybe even just the high-end MacBook Pro. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to be confused if this is true and the Mac Pro ever ships. I don't think anyone's going to walk into an Apple store and wonder which one they should buy. Like, I think that there is room in the Mac Mini, especially, especially when it's like ten years old. You can just do anything, and it seems more pro-like, right? Like <laughs> anything's better. That it will be faster and more capable than ever, but its capabilities and performance will be. Nothing compared to the Mac Pro. I think the Mac Pro is way at the top and the Mac Mini somewhere in the middle. Again, like a high-end MacBook Pro. I think that's a reasonable place to be. If you look at where the Mac Mini used to be when it was competitive uh, back 10 years ago, it was somewhere, you know, high MacBook, mid MacBook Pro spec. Like it wasn't the fastest machine in the world, but uh, very rarely was it super far behind anything else. You know, they did have a core solo at the beginning that, you know, they've changed the price point a couple times, but the Mac mini was reasonably respectable in terms of performance. So I, I anticipate that to continue. This is, I don't think this means the Mac mini is going to be expandable. I do not think in any way this means that this machine, and the Mac pro are the same computer. Like people always try to do that. They always try to like, Oh, what is make an expandable Mac mini and call it the Mac pro. These are different computers. Like this is not going to have a Xeon in it. I think that's the I think that's the that's the line. I will be shocked okay. if the Mac Mini has a Xeon in it. I think that's an iMac Pro and Mac Pro exclusive. So it's going to be yeah. It, it was sit on it. It's like a professional machine, which isn't crazy expensive that you can put into your already existing setup, right? Yes. But what will make it more professional than the Mac Mini before it? Like when the Mac Mini came out. Not the one where they made it worse. So let's imagine the one before that. Mm-hmm. Like, was that machine considered to be powerful? And then what would what would you do to make this one to be considered a pro machine where the previous Mac Mini and like the reason the Mac Mini was created was to be like the most consumery consumer machine possible, right? Because it was for switches. I mean, I think just to make it space gray. That's all it really takes, right? Like, you, you joke, but that might be. That might I guarantee be you, this will be available in space gray. Uh, mm-hmm. which I would buy it in because mine's under my TV and I like it to be uh, less conspicuous. Sick decal or something. Mm-hmm. Make it look like a pencil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right. Like these are these are unanswered questions. So my thought is, you know, high end MacBook Pro is is the is their target, and that is higher than the Mac Mini has been historically. Uh, you brought up like the idea of the starter Mac, and I think that's really a very important factor in this. So when the Mac mini was introduced in 2005, it was pitched by Steve Jobs as, hey, you want to move to the Mac? You've got a desktop Windows box and you got a display and keyboard and mouse. Unplug the Dell, plug this thing in. You can use your display keyboard and mouse and you have a Mac. And it was 500 bucks. Uh, it was considered the like the, I forget what the, uh, it was like, bring your own display keyboard and mouse. B-Y-O-D-K-M, the worst marketing slogan of all time. He said that as a joke, and people just stared at him. Like, there's a YouTube link in the show notes. Go watch that. It's like 10 minutes. Go watch that keynote. It's funny. But 
I don't think the world needs a starter desktop anymore. Like then desktops in 2005 desktops were, they were already on the way out as far as size of, of market, right? The notebooks were already taking off, but now Apple sells, what is like 80, 85% of the Mac sold are notebooks, maybe even higher. Like there's not a need for a starter desktop anymore. I think if people buy their first Mac, it should be that low cost MacBook Air that German talked about that we're skipping over this week. So, in that world, if the Mac Mini is supposed to be a starter Mac, the Mac Mini shouldn't exist anymore. But what has happened over time is people like us uh, have purchased the Mac Mini to use as a home server to run things like iTunes or Hazel or Time Machine backups, to have one in a data center. If you're listening to the live stream, you're listening through a Mac Mini. We have a Mac Mini at Mac Stadium that is our live streaming server. Um, you buy it because you want something, a small dedicated Mac to do things for you. And I think Apple has noticed that. And maybe the pivot here is go from the starter Mac to like a small enthusiast desktop. It's not going to sell in massive numbers, but like people who want that, uh, want more power out of it. You know, people put these things in, in offices, people put these things in, uh, like software developers use them, right. To use it as build servers, like, Address that market because that's where the Mac Mini has gone over time, and I think that's exciting. Like as someone who has two of these, I have one at home as an entertainment like server, and the one that Rila owns at Mac Stadium. Like uh, I would, I would purchase two of these. Like <laughs> both of mine are, are aging. Uh, my one at home is not doing very well, and I'm all for something like this because I think there's room for it in the line. And I think people would be excited about it. I can see, I can see a scenario where it's like. It's either a companion computer for a pro users, like established pro users, like developers or video makers, and they want something external that does something in the background. And it's like a home server or it's like a build server. Like it's it's an external utility that still runs macOS. Or if you're a sort of prosumer, which is a terrible word, but it's a, it's totally like a, like this niche market of people that don't need to assemble like complex 3D graphics for NASA or something like that, but still they want to run something that requires a bit of power, not the power of the Mac Pro, but also something requires something beefier or dedicated that is not, you know, the main MacBook Pro or the MacBook. So uh, I can see like the, the Mac Mini sort of... Um, Feeling what's it, what's it called the price umbrella that um, you know you you cannot buy I don't want to buy a Mac Pro just to encode video for example it would be a waste of money but also I don't want to buy a new MacBook Pro I just want a tiny Mac that does stuff and that's exactly what the Mac Mini is for especially if they sort of I don't think they will presenting it as a pro computer uh, for pro users. Uh, I can see Apple saying, and it's also great for pro customers, or we hear about the from pro customers, but I've seen people on Twitter say they're going to call it the Mac Pro Mini or the Mac Mini Pro. I don't think they're going to change the name. It's still going to be the Mac Mini, but it's all going to be in the message. Yeah, because if you uh, had the Mac Mini Apple, Pro, yeah. then you have to keep selling the old Mac Mini, which just feels exactly. like torture at this point. Like, just let the thing, just let let it die, you know? Like, it's fine. Just let it have it go out to pasture. Like, that, that machine is done. It's it's very much done at this point. Like, I'm on the, the web page for the Mac Mini right now, and it's using one of the old Apple cinema displays. Oh, no! Right? Like, that's just sitting on the page that's the so whole sad. way down, just a cinema display. Can you have at least updated it with the LG 
image like it must not be too difficult it won't run it it won't run the lg display because it has thunderbolt 2 holy moly or just like you just show like a little chain of dongles in the background i don't know yeah and just don't pay attention that it's not full res the the thing yeah the thing here is like i really believe that the mini was going to be phased out and in this like apple discovering that they still make mac somehow like feels like oh something max we should do something about that like i think like if this is a response to people like the three of us who either currently own or used to or want to own machines like this for like the things we're talking about like that's really encouraging like i am i'm genuinely like out of everything in the fall like of course i want a new iphone maybe in the market for an ipad but like as a mac user this is exciting to me because it means that Apple's paying attention to like what we want and, you know, update this thing, put Thunderbolt three in it. And it could be a great little home server. Like it'd be a great machine for a bunch of different things. Uh, just the way the Mac mini, like the Mac mini still is good. Like it's slow, but like, it's still good at these things because of its size. And if you look at like the broader PC market and uh, Snell zone has talked a lot about this with like the, the, uh, the Intel Nook, which is like a little, little bitty PC, you put an SSD in it. It's super fast and it's smaller than the Mac Mini, but way more powerful. Like there are markets for this type of computer. It's not a huge market, but the Mac's not a huge market. Like the Mac can be, like the iPhone has to reach a bunch of people, right? That's why we talked about like this cheaper phone. Uh, the iPad's got to reach a bunch of people, so they have different sizes with different capabilities. Like the Mac is a smaller market, and you can be really specific in your modeling like the iMac Pro I can't imagine the sales numbers being massive but for those who need it it's the perfect answer same with the Mac Pro and if they're going to bring this to the low end with the Mac Mini then that's great too so uh, I don't know color me excited boys like I, I'm I'm signing up I want I want a future professional level Mac Mini in my, in my life mm-hmm. oh yeah can I just address the elephant in the room super quick is there one I think there is one, which is like, why? Like, why are they... Like, it feels like the use cases for this are small. And even if the people that would buy it, potentially, they probably already own another machine. Like, the amount that you would actually sell of these is is very small for a company the (laughs) size of Apple. Probably for the same reason that Steven did the Aqua screenshot library, honestly. (laughs) It's... Well, I feel like... They, it's an important part of the message that Apple is recommitting to the Mac and to the pro community. Uh, also, I don't think they're gonna lose money on this. They're gonna, they figure if they're doing this, it's because they can make a profit out of these Mac minis. But more importantly than that, I think it's important to see Apple saying, we're redoing the entire Mac lineup and mm. we're, we're updating this lineup on an annual basis. Or, I mean, even the Mac mini every couple of years would be fine. Uh, I think it's more than that. I think it's important for Apple to say we haven't forgotten about pro users. Please don't switch to Windows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's this machine. The iMac. I felt this way about the iMac Pro, but I really feel this way about the Mac Mini. If this is true and this comes to pass, and it's it's what we all want, it's actually not even about the computer. It's about like Federico said. It's about the statement to like diehard Mac pro user or Mac professional users that Apple's listening, right? Like if this is a pro, like whatever that means, if it means I can get an i9 in it with 32 gigs of RAM and a super fast SSD, say that's all true. 
That means Apple's paying attention to what we're doing with Mac Minis. That is as a as Mac fans well know, we've all felt a little neglected over the last several years. And this would be just like one more chapter in the book of Apple saying, We are committed to the Mac. We are committed to you, our professional users, and we know that some of you want this and and so we made it for you. Here it is. And I'm sure some of us will complain about the price, but it's uh for me it's a, it's a, it's a much more like a signal than like what the actual thing is and watch uh, them just put two USB-C ports on it and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I know, right? One's for power. Not, like a... <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh you can't and uh you have to buy the the power cable separately yeah. because that's how it rolls. That'd be a bummer, Mike. I don't want that future. <laughs> I I really love Apple, right? Like love love them, obviously. But I I really can't imagine that they make this thing and not upset everyone that they're trying to make ha- feel happy. Like I just know something, mm. something will be like an oversight. Has that? But I don't think that's happened with the iMac Pro, honestly. Yeah. Like there are people who like complain it's an all in one, but like. I know, but I mean, I maybe know everyone with an iMac Pro. Maybe it's just people on Relay, but like mm. the iMac Pro seems to be very well received. Hon- like, honestly, of all the things that Apple makes that have Pro in the name, I feel like the MacBook Pro is the only one that people hate. I mean, as, yeah. except for the Mac Pro, which they are still in the process of redoing. Right, but that's two out of three, though, so far. That well, people no, hate. there's people no, the there's Mac Pro iPad and they hate Pro, the MacBook Pro. iPad Pro, people oh, yeah, love. okay. Well, that's uh, a different thing. Well, it's I said of all the things that Apple makes with Pro in the name. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. So we got half. Well, and then. they don't. They barely make a. They barely make the Mac Pro. Like they're just you know, it's like one dude hand assembling them in Texas alone yeah. in his garage. We, we still, we still have to see about the the Mac Pro. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like um, the jury's still right. out on that one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the yeah. MacBook Pro is continues to be you know the, you know the ugly kid of the bunch that everybody makes fun of. Which is a terrible metaphor, sure. but it gives you the idea, you know. Well, and and if they if they do fix the Mac Mini, then like yeah, the MacBook Pro like still has issues, but like Apple's just like slowly knocking things off the punch list, right? Things that people are upset about with the Mac, and like I can't complain about that, even if they haven't gotten to all of them yet. Like, and and in, in the words of a a wise man, there's nothing so perfect that can't be complained about. So like mm. there always will be complaints about things. But like, if the Mac Mini is way faster and updated again, and has Thunderbolt three, and even if it's like twelve hundred bucks, like, there's not that much to complain about that. And I really feel like the iMac Pro, like, is in direct opposition to that sort of feeling because, like, honestly, I don't think there's widespread complaints about this computer. Like, yes, it's expensive. Yes, you can't upgrade it. But like, with people like have them on their desk using them. Everyone seems really happy. I know. I yep. love mine. It's absolutely the best Mac I've ever owned. And I fully anticipate using this computer or, or its predecessors, successors? Yeah. Its successors for a long time. But what I want to say is all we have is what's in front of us, right? Like all we have available sure. to us right now is what's available. And like when you turn that on its head, the iMac Pro is the only Mac right now that people are happy about. Like universally. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's fair. So... Uh, you know, I just feel like yes, that could mean that like all of the subsequent ones will be better, but they haven't done that with the MacBook Pro yet. Like the MacBook Pro seems to continue to have the majority of things wrong with it that people think are wrong with it. 
right? Like the yeah. ports are still the same. The keyboard still seems to be uh, have some issues. <laughs> TBD. To it, all right, and <laughs> and I know that like a lot of the internals got better, but like they could still be better, right? So that still has problems. The iMac is getting a bit long in the tooth now, right? The MacBook Air, my gosh, can't believe it. The MacBook is still has the issues that it has, if you consider them issues, right? So, like, I know there are people that are happy with their MacBooks, their MacBook Airs, their MacBook Pros, and their iMacs, but, like, the people that are in the Pro market tend to have more complaints about all of those machines, and the iMac Pro seems to be the only one that is universally liked by people that are in our industry and beyond. So, like, I just feel like when you... I I completely understand what you're both saying, but when you turn it on its head, that's a little bit more worrying. It could mean, though, right, that the iMac Pro is, like, the first of the change, but nothing else has come out significantly revamped since that machine. And we're, it looks like we're about to start yeah. seeing that. But what's that going to look like? Like, is the MacBook Air going to be closer to, like, the iMac Pro or the MacBook Pro and what it does to redefine what that product's about? Like, I guess it depends on the keyboard they put in it. Exactly. <laughs> so this is what I'm saying. All right, so, like, what are they going to do there? Is it going to be more like the MacBook Air keyboard or the MacBook Pro keyboard? So does that mean that they ruin another machine? Right, and then like, where does the Mac Mini like? Is the Mac Mini gonna have only three USB C ports, and that's it? Nah. Right, because that will upset people. And then what yeah. about the Mac Pro? Like, what does modular mean? Like, th- my point is like, I understand where you're coming from, but this could be amazing, or it could not be. And mm. I yeah. personally feel like but- that I don't have a good understanding. Like, I wouldn't be able to point to what I actually think is going to happen with all of these devices because I think the jury's still out on everything. Maybe. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, uh, I'm pr- I'm choosing to be optimistic, to borrow a phrase of yours. So yeah, so it's always good to be optimistic. Yeah, but you can feel that the year of optimism is over for Mike. Um, no, no, I, I, because these are things that I'm not too <laughs> I'm fussed kidding. about. I'm really excited about the things I'm excited about. <laughs> you know, I like know. I would love it if they update the Mac Mini in any way. I'd be happy. I'll probably buy one because I've been thinking about getting a home server again to do some yeah. little tasks. So yeah. like, I will be happy. But my point is that the things that will upset people i'm not in that market so for me it's not like my personal optimism which it, i'm now maybe changing it to the year of but but like yes the year optimism is over let's say that this one is the year of personal optimism like all the stuff that i'm excited about i'm actually very confident is only going to get better the ipads are going to be inc- incredible i'm going to get a big iphone yeah. like all that stuff is amazing mm-hmm. and then any of the pro max that come out will be right for me right so like the iMac Pro would be right for me right now, but I just don't feel like a need for an upgrade. The Mac Mini, if it has new internals, will be better for me than maybe my iMac, but I wouldn't change that. But then I might go to the Mac Pro route because it allows me to buy one machine and keep it for the next 10 years. So to me personally, I think this stuff's great, but my concern is for the people that really seem to care, like the people that are entrenched in the Mac and what it means to be a pro right now, I just feel like I wouldn't necessarily say like this product's going to be awesome and these and the reasons are because apple's committed to the mac again because there are two products that have come out since that announcement and we've got a clear 50 50 split on it Mm -hmm. so you're gonna buy a mac mini that that's the it is possible that i will mm. buy a mac mini yes like if the price is right and the features are there then then i might go down that route because Mm -hmm. i want to there's you know like you and we can maybe talk about this another time but there's some stuff that i've been thinking about that might be good like network attached storage vnc to perform some basic tasks that i need a mac for but doing one my ipad all that kind of stuff but we'll get to that maybe another time
So next 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 week, next week, why do we want to buy a Mac Mini? There you uh, go. Okay. There you go. Okay. I'll put it follow up for next week. Perfect. Mm-hmm. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options right at your fingertips. They have prices starting at just $5 a month to get you up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud. You can be ready to go in under a minute. Linode offer industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40-gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 10 data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers quicker than ever before. They're They're doing their best to make sure that they have more and more power and more and more locations. That's what's so great about Linode. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. And everything is manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and no balances. Linode is great for tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating a VPN, running Docker containers, hosting a private Git server, and so much more. Their plans start just with uh, $5 a month for one gigabyte of RAM, and they offer high memory plans with 16 gigabytes of RAM or more. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com, that's L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash connected, You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get $20 towards any Linode plan on the one gigabyte of RAM plan. That's four free months with a seven-day money-back guarantee. There's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash connected to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or use the promo code connected2018 at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. So over the last couple of months... Mm. We have been talking about Twitter API changes. Mm-hmm. This has been a, a topic that has come and gone as news has changed and we found out more about it. Last week, Twitter did what they've been talking about. They killed a selection of APIs that meant that third-party apps had to remove some of the following features. And this is just a quick refresher for everyone. So apps like TweetBot and Twitterific, they had to remove notifications for retweets, quote tweets, likes, and follows. There are delays for other notification types, if supported at all. The removal of any stats or activity views because they were powered by the APIs that provided those notifications. They had to remove Apple Watch apps as well for the same reason. And the ability to stream tweets has been removed. They no longer appear in real time. You have to refresh things and they'll come through in maybe a minute or two uh, in delay, let's say. So live tweeting something doesn't really work anymore in third-party apps because everything comes through slower than it used to. So how has this been? I will start off by saying that a lot of the... uh, a lot of what I expected to be how I felt about this is how I feel about it. The notifications part doesn't bother me um, because I didn't use them, right? I had no notifications on for any Twitter apps at all. But the ramifications of it are that big feature sets have been completely wiped out. The activity and stats views in TweetBot, which are one of my favorite features, is gone um, completely. I do wonder, though, uh, if maybe in the long run it's best for me to not be following tweet engagement. Maybe yeah, that might make me a happier don't man. Don't do that. Don't, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, but you say that, we're all, we're all doing it until this week, right? Uh, Everyone's looking. We're all looking. We're all looking. Come on. We're all looking. How many faves did I get? How many retweets did I get? People do it. 
Mm. Like if you tweeted something out, Federico, about an article that you've been working on for a long time. Oh yeah, that that I will check. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, it doesn't matter how much you were checking. Like I wasn't checking the engagement of every tweet, but I would look at the stats page every now and then, a couple of times a day, maybe, and just see what was going on in there. Right? Like it was mm. interesting to see. Yeah, that like, I, that I understand. Notifications, I I I don't understand. But yeah, stats is is fine. Yeah. Timeline refresh delays are annoying, but they're not an issue for me. Like it's frustrating, but like I don't. I don't really care, right? Like, it's it's like, whatever, it's fine, I don't mind. The The big issue is the fact that the activity stuff has been ripped out of TweetBot. Like, the features are just completely gone. Uh, that were a big feature that made me a fan of the app, right? The stats view and the activity view. Because the activity view was interesting because I could see things as they were happening in real time. The stats view was interesting because, and it was like an amalgamation of a load of different things. And uh, especially if someone didn't use notifications, right? Like it would be good to see that stuff happening every now and then. I could scroll through stuff if I wanted to see it. Um, and But one of the bigger things for me is that the removal of these features has kind of ruined the iPad UI of TweetBot. So TweetBot has a sidebar or like the ability to have a sidebar. And I used to have the activity stream in the sidebar. So as I was scrolling through my timeline, I could look over and see things that people were saying to me or liking or following or whatever. That's the only thing I like in the sidebar. I didn't like saved searches in the sidebar. I didn't like mentions in the sidebar. Like, it's just not the type of stuff that I want to see. Like, I like to kind of, on my iPad and on my iPhone, go through those things as I would want to. So I had less incentive to use it. Now, before I talk about what I then did next after having felt this way, I wanted to ask... You too. So, Stephen, like, how have the API changes affected you in any way, if at all? It, my feelings are in line with yours. I didn't use notifications except for direct messages, which I never get. Uh, and the the few people that I talk to over DM, like, I'd like to know relatively quickly, but um, that's fine. That delay is not a big deal. I, I get one of those notifications a month. Like, it's very rare. Uh, yeah, the, the other stuff in TweetBot's a bummer. But it's not going to uh, be the end of the world. I don't know if it's a huge deal. Uh, I may feel differently when it's there's like a, a live Apple event or something and, and tweets are slow. Like that's the big thing. Like the delay is, is most noticeable to me. But um, Yeah, but like the, 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 the thing that you will all do on those days is we'll use the official app. Like I know that nobody likes it, but like that's what you'll do, right? Like if you need to see something in real time, well, I guess it would still work in real time. I guess. I know that they like to mess around with the chronology of things, but you're probably likely to see things in more likely real time. What about you, Federico? Yeah, I'm still using TweetBot. Um, honestly, the, the the major annoyance of all these changes is having to use pull to refresh occasionally to uh, refresh the timeline. Uh, I, I tend to check uh, stats on individual tweets Um more than the main activity page, if only because I'm, I'm more interested in the performance of individual tweets than the aggregate number of um, likes and faves and engagements. So for that, I was already using the um, the Twitter app because it allows me to tap on um, the likes and retweet counts um, and see who actually faved or you know retweeted something. Um, and to to do that, I was already using. Uh, so here's a teachy tip for you: um, if you see using Tweetbot, you can install this app called uh, Opener, uh, an Opener as an extension that you can set up so that every time you share a tweet with the Opener extension, it auto loads to uh, the the same tweet 
in the Twitter app. So you just need to tap twice and you can jump to the individual tweet view for the same tweet into the official app. So I was already doing that. That is a very hot teachy tip. Yeah. yeah. And you can set up auto open for like for for twitter.com links. You can set up auto opening in uh, opener. I think by swiping on one of the options because opener allows you to send a tweet from tweetbot to, for example, uh, Twitterific or Twitter or uh, what's the name of the other Twitter client uh, tweetings, maybe, possibly, I don't know. Echophone was around a long time ago. Uh, How anyway, do I find this application? Because App Store Search is not helping me. It's called uh, Search um, search Opener Mac Stories, probably on Google. <laughs> and you can oh, find the link. <laughs> yeah, Opener. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's excellent utility. Anyway, I was already doing that because I tend to check individual tweets more than the global uh, stuff. And notifications, I... I don't care because I I never I think since Mac Stories started getting moderately popular in 2010 I disabled all kinds of Twitter notifications um, for likes or retweets or mentions I never never had mentions either from people who followed me or from other people like to see my mentions I open Twitter. Um, and I used to have notifications for DMs, but I disabled them. Actually, I didn't disable them like intentionally, but I think last year, um, after one of my experiments where I used either Twitter or Twitterific for a while, and then I went back to Tweetbot, I forgot to re-enable DM notifications. And I realized a couple of weeks later that I had all of these unread messages from people. And I felt I felt kind of crappy about that because I, I didn't reply to those people. But then I realized, you know, it was actually kind of nice not to be bothered uh, by Twitter DMs. So I didn't re-enable them. And so it's fine. Uh, I wasn't getting notifications before and I don't get notifications now. I understand why some people like Twitter notifications. Um, and yeah, if you, if you care about those, it sucks, but uh, it's what it is. Um, so I'm still using Tweetbot uh, primarily because of the iPad version. Uh, and for a simple reason, I said that to check my mentions, I go to Twitter. So I set aside like 10 minutes every day and I go through my mentions. And what I do is I keep on the iPad, I keep... Um, the column on the right set to uh, to my most recent mentions. And on the left, I go through my old mentions so that when I reply and I scroll back into previous uh, mentions on the left side, on the right side, I can refresh and see if somebody else replies to my reply, I can continue the conversation. So I carry out... I'm just going to say, I'm sure you know what that meant. I could not follow that. Don't try and explain it to me. It's fine. No, I will. <laughs> but no, like, I got very need, lost. No, you need to understand. So okay. there's two columns, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. On the left side, yep. I scroll down. I go through all my mentions from newest to oldest. Okay? Yep. So I scroll, I scroll down. On the right side, I refresh the mentions view also. But it's How do you pi- refresh the view? Do you swipe down it, on it? Is, yeah, is you, swipe, you, can do? you swipe down on it. You, you pull okay. to refresh and it's okay. pinned to the top so that I see new replies coming in. All right? So if I reply to somebody from a tweet from five hours ago, I move to the next tweet from six hours ago and then to, the, to seven hours ago and so forth. But on the right side, I can refresh. And if that person has already replied, I can continue the conversation right away without having to scroll back up on the left side. Okay? One of the things that I, I, 
can correct me if I'm wrong, but like one of the reasons that I never used like the mentions on the right and the everything else on the left is that it didn't observe my place when I went into the mentions tab. Like if I had seen everything new when I go into the mentions tab, it's still going to save oh, yeah. my position from the last time that I was there, which is like way down on the list. Is that true still? Um, I don't think I understand the question. <laughs> so let's say uh, I'm in Tweetbot and I'm looking yeah. at my mentions, right? Yes. And yes. I have a hundred mentions. Okay. Like in, it's got the little the little count that says a hundred. If I scrolled through on the column on the right hand side and looked at everything in my mentions view, it's not going to change. I still have a hundred, right? It, they, those two things operate independently of each other based upon sinking position, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's why I never wanted to use that okay. because I don't know I've seen everything. I have to do what you've done, which which I understand why you do it, but that's not the way that I use Twitter, right? Like, okay. okay. I okay. use it more by checking in multiple times through the day. So I want to go oldest to newest as opposed to newest to oldest. Okay. Okay, yeah, I see. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So that's why yeah. I never, like, the only thing that ever made sense to me on the right hand side was the activity view. Because otherwise, I'm just seeing everything twice. All right. Potentially, yeah, I get which it. didn't I get work it. for me. Yeah. So, because of this, and because of how much I use uh, Twitter on my iPad, because it's where I'm doing the majority of my work, I did something that I've been wanting to do for a while, which is to try out Twitterific more seriously. One of the reasons I, I never really tried Twitterific more seriously is that the iPad app only had a single column and I was like, well, I don't like this. I want two columns like I have on Tweetbot. But now in Tweetbot, I only would use it in single column. So now I'm, you know, uh, it kind of feels like a level playing field for my major complaint with 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 Twitterific. So I have been using Twitterific for a week now as my only Twitter app on all platforms, on my iPhone, on my iPad, and on my Mac. And I have a lot of thoughts about it. And I want to start with all of the things I don't like. There's no specific... T- so this is going to take a few minutes, all right? But just bear with me. There's no specific tab for searching. You can have tabs in, like, the, the bar at the top or the bottom, depending on the platform you're using. So you have, like, my timeline, my mentions, my DMs, and you can have saved searches that you pick from a list, but you can't have a tab which is just to search everything. You have to go to the sidebar to do that, which is super weird to me. I don't know why if the, all of the other sidebar options are available, but I can't seem to find a way to just press a button on the iPad or the iPhone and it takes me to the master search list. But on the Mac version, the search button takes me to the master search where I can search anything and also see my saved searches. I don't understand this. This is strange. This is actually... My main problem with Twitterific in general is just like some of the decisions seem peculiar, especially when you look at them on the Mac and on iOS, where they're supposed to be the same now, but there's still some pretty significant differences between the two. I do like that you can have a saved search as a tab. That's really good, but I want both. So that's that's what I would like there. Um, Information density on the iPad compared to the iPhone is very different. Um, the iPad version, the avatars are too large and you can't make them smaller. You can make text smaller, but you can't make the avatar smaller. And it means that you don't see as many tweets as you probably should be able to. So I want to be able to see more on screen than I can. Um, it doesn't, like, I, I can't find a way to adjust avatar sizes on the iPad. I'm sure this was a setting at one point, but if it's there, 
I don't know where it is because I can't find it. Um, so I feel that the information density isn't as good. Timeline syncing with iCloud isn't as fast or reliable as TweetBot. Sometimes it gets lost. Uh, on the Mac, they have unified timeline only. You cannot separate it like you can on iOS. I don't like unified timeline. I like my timelines to be separate. And for some reason, they can't be separated. Um, they have two different types of, of hiding things on Twitterific. You have mutes and muffles. Um, so you can muffle something. It means it collapses it. You mute it. It means it goes away. And what's pretty cool about the mutes is the mutes sync with the official Twitter muting system yeah. somehow which is interesting. I think that's cool. Like, fine, that, that works good. But there are no timed mutes or muffles. It's either on or off, which I uh, don't like that. I like to, to, to mute things for set periods of time or people for set periods of time rather than making it like a global on and off. Uh, on a side note, because trying to move this stuff from place to place is impossible, I've decided to give everyone and everything a second chance. So yes. if I have muted you, you're back in my life. Uh, it, and You can see my tweets again. I can. It's, yes. it's been an experience for all of us. <laughs> but this also goes for words. I, I muted a lot of words, which you can do mm. in, in Twitterific. Like what? Like, can you uh, give us words, some of like your mostly, words? Political words. Political is words. What I'm yeah, yeah, lots of political yeah. words. I hate. I'm those now political getting those words. political words back again. It also, mm. I, I, I can't confirm. So here's a question I have for you: If I, if I uh, mute the word Trump in Tweetbot, oh, you and somebody okay. quote tweets a tweet that says Trump in it, do you see it? I don't think you see it, right? You don't. You it, don't. It, it Tweetbot get. Yeah, Tweetbot hides yeah. it. Right, so in Twitterific, this is another problem I have of it, you do. So oh, no. I'm seeing a lot more Trump tweets, and there seems to be absolutely nothing I can do about that. Ugh. So that's just a thing that's happening again in my life. Um, okay, we're going to keep going here. I've only got two more things. The iPad app closing gesture, which I use all the time, the four-finger pinch. Mm-hmm. I use that all the time, even though iOS 12 has kind of broken it a little bit, but like that doesn't really matter. Where now when I do that, it tends to open multitasking. <laughs> this is just like a yeah. weird like Depends thing on... that's happened with the new with the new but that also is fine because most of the time all I ever really want is the dock. Or another app that's there anyway. Um, but pinching with the four fingers seems to accidentally trigger Twitterific's gesture for switching accounts, which is two, sw- two fingers to swipe up or down, yeah. which is annoying and has been a little bit risky as I've been faving things with the wrong accounts. Uh, but I do like the Twitterific gesture, the simple gesture of being able to to switch between accounts, but I would like it to maybe be different or not trigger accidentally. Uh, the thing that I'm trying to do. I don't think many people use the gesture that I'm using, though. I don't. I don't. Th- I think that 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 pit four finger pinch thing feels like a remnant that I have held on to, and I, I don't believe a lot of people use that anymore. But it is muscle memory for me now. Um, and yeah, I guess the the iPad landscape view could add a column. But as I said earlier, like I, I know that's something that you wanted, Federico. It's something I wanted before, but now that I would use Tweetbot as one single column. I kind of don't mind about it so much. It's on level footing. So they're all the things that frustrate me or I find peculiar about Twitterific compared to Tweetbot. Let me tell you what I do like. I like that they have True Black on the iPhone X. It looks wonderful. I love it. So it's like it takes advantage of the OLED. Everything's like all black pixels. Love it. Uh, the overall design of the app to me today feels like it has more of an opinion that I'm interested in than Tweetbot. 
this is like good and bad in some places because sometimes I don't like how different it is in some of the decisions that they make. But I like the use of colors. You know, like some of the stuff, it feels like it has a little bit more playfulness or joy to it. Maybe I've just gotten too used to Tweetbot, but Tweetbot kind of feels a little bit devoid of personality to me now. Um, And I kind of kept using it because it had pro features that I loved. And now that they've gone, I I don't really feel the same affinity to Tweetbot anymore. Maybe I've been using it for too long. I don't know what it is, but like from a design perspective, now that a lot of the features that I like have gone away... I'm, I find myself more drawn to Twitterific's just overall design. I don't know why. And I like muffling a lot for certain instances. I like that I can muffle someone and I don't see their tweets, but if, I, if I'm if i curious, I can peek into them. But that system works really well because a lot of the time I know I'm just not seeing things because it doesn't take up a lot of screen real estate. It's an interesting system. I would like to see times occur to it. So... You'd think to yourself, well, obviously this seems clear what he's going to do because there were like three things that he likes and like 20 things he doesn't like. But even though there are so many missing features or things that feel broken to me, I feel weirdly drawn to Twitterific right now. And that's what I plan to use for the foreseeable future. Because in this weird way, the fact that I switched to Twitterific at the exact time that things started to break, I'm kind of less annoyed about losing the features because I have something new going on which is Twitterific and getting used to that. So this is kind of where I am. I'm going to stick with it for now. Uh, I know I am being much more forgiving of the things that I didn't like in the past, but I've found a new love for the app. So that's kind of where I am. I feel like this is a very long way to say, uh, I think, an unexpected decision that I've made, but I'm just finding myself more drawn to Twitterific now than Tweetbot. Is is it just novelty though? Like if if maybe you had downloaded if there were other apps that were of the same caliber, like would you just be drawn to them instead? It could be. It's like it doesn't really matter what they are, right? Like it's providing me with the basic functionality that I need and some additional features that I like, but in a kind of a new and shiny package. So, but mm-hmm. like the thing is, like the things that are frustrating. These are things that I've been recording over the last week. Most of those things, like I'm over it because I'm still using them. Like none of those frustrations are making me go back. Like because Tweetbot still works in the way that I expect it to in a lot of instances. But I also really like a lot of the things about Twitterific. I like the way they use haptics. Like I like that on the Mac, I have a button that I can press for emoji. Like there are a lot. Of, I like that. I love the Twitterific media viewer. Right where. You can like open a GIF and you can scroll your finger backwards and forwards over it and it goes in reverse and in fast forward. Like there, It has a lot of things that are interesting, things that I always thought were interesting that drew, were drawing me to the app. But the things that were keeping me away from it now don't matter as much because no apps have them. That's fair. That makes sense. So it's kind of, it's kind of making me feel like it is a grass is greener situation, but the playing field was more level than it was before. Hmm. Well, uh, someone who's been switching between Twitter clients on a regular basis every few months, you know, you guys know I do this uh, every like three to four months. Uh, I've always told you, I think there's a lot to like in Twitterific, so I'm happy that you're finding things to like, but the iPad stuff continues to be a problem for me. Um, I've always liked the way that the Icon Factory, I think, they 
tend to experiment more than chatbots when it comes to building new features into Tutorific. Like even the stuff like I think there's previews for Spotify links or you know this tiny or the and the, they have that poll button right where that, you can the tap poll it button, and that's it opens, another great example uh, or the, the fact Twitter app. yeah that's another great example or. Uh, the fact that you can uh, delete a tweet and r- fix a typo and resend it, but it's like it's an integrated sort yep. of like a- edit flow in the app. Yeah, something oh. that's useful for me because I tend to always notice oh, yeah. my spelling mistakes after I tweet. So when you tweet, it, there's like a little green banner that pops up that if you tap it, it just shows your posted tweet and then I can edit it. When they're editing, editing function is it deletes the tweet, but gives you the all of the contents of the tweet anyway, so you can just post it again, which is an easier way than like share sheet, copy tweet, delete, and then open it up and variably get things wrong because like it was meant to be in a thread and it's not anymore. But you know, but but that's how it was in Tweetbot for me, but Twitterific has an interesting way of handling that to the best of their ability. So that's where I am. Uh, I will say, obviously, we're talking about Twitter. I don't want to try any other social networks. Um, I, no, I appreciate everybody who is using Mastodon and, and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, blog. Like, that's cool. But Twitterific is where, Twitter is where I want to be for the community that I am a part of there. The fact that you can give me follow-up and feedback there on Mass, like all of those things are the reasons that I'm still t- sticking with Twitter, um, even though maybe the company isn't run the way that everybody would like and that there are many problems with it. Uh, a lot of the advantages I get don't exist in other places right now. Is that fair to say? Do we all agree with my I, statement? I agree with that. Um, I also used... I think Twitter as a company is... <laughs> Uh, this is going to be an overstatement, but I think they're done. There's, uh, I think there, there was a bridge to cross, and not only have they crossed the bridge, they're basically now in another country in terms of my perception <laughs> of the company. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the company for me is done, but it's the easiest way for people, for m- uh, my audience, to give me feedback that is not email. It's the easiest and fastest and shortest way to give me feedback. That's why I'm there, to keep up with people who like what I do. And if another service that um, has a better policies in place, but also allows me to... Because I'm using this for work. It's like, yes, I understand the principles and the technicalities between, you know, on Mastodon are better. Uh, I appreciate the people who invest in that, but uh, at the end of the day, I... Uh, it's not my job to spend hours testing social networks. My job is to write and to talk and to engage. What a terrible word. But to keep up with feedback from my audience. And so if my audience moves to something else, I will move with them. If they're still here, um, despite the terrible things that the Twitter as a company does, I will respond to them as long as they're here. And when it's time to move, we'll move. Uh, so yeah, uh, I appreciate people who say, why are you not testing Mastodon? Uh, I will use it when it's the time to use it, but um, unfortunately, uh, I prefer to spend time at the beach in the summer than to uh, understand how to, you know, set up an instance and uh, oh no, uh, and and to uh, no, come come at me. I don't care. I think it's too technical. I think you know. uh, I don't have time for this now. I prefer to um, you know have a have a. Have a spritz at the beach. Uh, that's what I do, you know, uh, an, an, an aperitivo, as they call it in Italy, at the beach. Uh, better use of my time. So, uh, just my two cents. People will be, will be upset. I don't care. I love you all. Uh, everything is fine. So, 
I'm back. I missed you I in podcast, man. It's it's fun. It's really fun. So, see how you feel about your feedback first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever. Well, uh, I think that does it. I think we've we've made it through our topics, and now it's time to end the show. So, if you want to find links to stuff we talked about, uh, they're in your podcast app you're listening to now, or you can check them out on the website relay.fm slash connected slash 206. While you're there, if you don't want to use Twitter for feedback, we have a handy email link right there in the sidebar of the page. That comes to me. I share it with the guys, and uh, it's a good way to get in touch with us. Of course, you can do it on what's left of Twitter. You can find Federico there as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And Federico, of course, is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. If you're listening to this and you're not reading Mac Stories, you're, you're, you're really missing out. I can't imagine there's anybody actually in that category, but if you are, you should go change that. You can follow Mike on Twitter. Uh, he's using Twitterific. Uh, so you can tweet at him at I-M-Y-K-E, and you will show up in his unified timeline, which I know he loves. Mike is the host of a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. So if you uh, like this show and you don't listen to anything else on Relay, go to relay.fm slash shows, and you'll find something else that I think you'll love. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Text Expander, Linode, and Molecule. Uh, guys, thanks for joining me. I'm glad we're all back. This was a lot of fun to do, uh, the three of us. And so for the first time in what feels like a long time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.